we're coming into another parable here this morning, the parable of the pearl of great price. What a precious, precious parable this is from Matthew 13, verses 45 to 46. Uh, If you want to turn over there with me, I will read it for you. It says, uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. Now this parable is uh, quite a bit like the one that we just got done studying, and I should mention at the outset of our study here today that these last four parables of Matthew 13 were ones that Jesus gave to his disciples in private. Uh, that's what it, what it says here when uh, he was going to interpret the parable of the wheat and the tares. It says in uh, verse 36 of Matthew 13, Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field, which he did. And then he gave them these four other parables, which end then in verse 52. And so we need to understand that. We need to understand that um, these last four parables are different from the others and that they were not spoken to the multitudes. They were spoken to the disciples and they were spoken to them so that they might understand more of the kingdom of heaven and what that was. That is the kingdom of grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this particular parable, we've got the Lord saying again in verse 45, which Uh, tells us that once again there are these beautiful, uh, wonderful illustrations of truth given by our Lord Jesus to his disciples. And uh, remember now that these are are men who it has been revealed to them the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, to the others, the multitude, for the most part, it wasn't revealed to them even though it was spoken to them. Uh, that hearing that they might not hear and seeing that they might not see. And so there was kind of a judicial hardening and blindness that was taking place. And I'll talk more about that uh, judicial hardening in the morning sermon as well in the last chapter of Acts. But we need to understand these things at the outset of this parable. This parable is for believers so that we might understand something more of the preciousness of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. So that said, what this kingdom is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, is portrayed for us here as a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And so we want to ask certain questions about these two verses uh, I've got it down for you here in the paper that was handed out to you. Question number one, what is the merchant man seeking? The merchant man I've I've written down on your paper here represents a person who is seeking. What is he seeking? 
would you say? Well, he's obviously seeking for pearls, uh, beautiful or fine pearls, but what, what does that mean? What is meant by the beautiful uh, or fine pearls? That's exactly right, Rita. Uh, In fact, both of these parables that we've studied, the treasure and this one here, are talking about the value of the gospel and the value of our Lord Jesus Christ himself as our Savior. That's what we're looking at here in this parable. But what I want to do this morning is to lead you into this parable gradually And I want to talk about uh, the merchant man. The merchant man and what he is seeking. So the merchant man is the person who is seeking the best and the most beautiful things that life has to offer from all that God has made or given. The merchant man here in this parable was seeking beautiful pearls, Jesus says. And uh, as to what this represents, we can say that in seeking for beautiful pearls, that he was seeking for things that were most precious. Uh, He is seeking for things of great and lasting beauty and value, as Rita was saying. And he's seeking to have joy and delight in having all these pearls to himself. That is, he was seeking for the things of this world which God has made or that he could experience in relation to what God had given him in life. He was seeking to find long-lasting joy in the experience of having them or owning them. Now, a merchant, uh, I want to... Uh, explain this to you, is usually a person whose business it is to buy and to resell merchandise. He would travel about the country, uh, perhaps to many countries, and he would look for items to buy, and then he sells them for a profit. And in that way, he becomes rich. And this particular merchant, however, He spent his time in seeking for fine pearls to own them, to possess them, to have them for himself. In this respect, he appears to be a collector or a gatherer, someone like Solomon was. You remember the Koheleth? which is the word used regarding Solomon in the Hebrew back there in um, the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote three books of the Bible, Ecclesiastes being one of them. And Solomon wanted to gather. He wanted to accumulate everything which would be of great personal benefit to himself. All that would be of great and lasting value to himself in his having them or owning them. And so I want you to uh, answer, if you can, question number three for me. What is this man's object in finding them 
finding them or owning them, these fine pearls? What's the object in view? I, I would have said before you cut this possibility <laughs> off that it was for resale. <laughs> <laughs> and so the distinction would, should be made between using them instrumentally for profit versus possessing them for a price. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point, Matt. And I think that we need to see that uh, Solomon, who we're going to study here in just a minute, uh, was using these for personal profit. But what I want you to do is to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 2. And we want to look at verses 1 to 11. And who would like to read this for us? Ecclesiastes 2, 1 to 11. Okay, thank you for that, Matt. Now, um, if um, we were going to list all the things which Solomon sought, which would be compared to the beautiful pearls, and we're thinking of the pearls plural rather than the pearl singular uh, at this point. We're thinking about the man who was seeking, but yet, yet he had not found the pearl of great Price. And so that's why we're looking at this text in Ecclesiastes. If we were going to list all the things which Solomon sought, which would be compared to the beautiful pearls which the merchant man of our parable was looking for, what would they be? Let's list them. There are seven of them from verse 1 to verse 8. Can you help me with this? What's the first one? Is that pleasure? It is. It's mirth. And pleasure. Mirth is kind of an old-fashioned word. Who would be able to define it for me? Merriment or laughter. Merriment. Very good. Very good. Merriment. Uh, Really a joy, great joy in an earthly sense and laughter going along with it, with that joy. Verse 1. 
So when we, when we think about that, uh, this was something that Solomon wanted for himself, didn't he? It was something that he was seeking for himself. Uh, what's the second one that's mentioned here in verse 2, which is growing out of the first one? Laughter, which uh, ends up uh, becoming what? Madness. Now, what's he talking about here? Can you tell me? I think it just means that he, uh, he didn't want to be bothered with negatives. He just wanted to be enjoying himself. Amen. Not to be disturbed by the realities of real life. Mm. Like we all are tempted to be in the world is. Well, that's good. I think he was wanting and, and thought that he could find... Uh, the meaning of life and this sort of giddiness of enjoying life, not really, as Brian was saying, having to think about the serious things of life, but uh, wanting to enjoy himself and to forget about these more serious things, and perhaps that would give him uh, something more meaningful to hold on to. Now, what about verse 3? What is he looking for there? Well, he's looking for wine to satisfy him, but in a particular way, uh, if you'll notice it there, guiding my heart with wisdom. I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I wonder how wine would do that. This was an experiment on his part. He uh, was drinking wine, but evidently, while he was doing this, he wanted uh, his mind to be guided by wisdom. This, this reminds me of a, a funny passage in Herodotus, with an ancient Greek Yes. Yes. Um, there's, a, there's a section where he talks about the Babylonians, how they would, they would, when they were considering whether they would do something, like if they were going to go conquest someplace or, or something like that, they would, consi- they would think about, they would have to think that it was a good idea, both when they were drunk and when they were sober. If they thought it was a good idea, in, both when they were drunk and then when they were sober, they, they would do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if this is I think that's very good. I think that's very good because I think that it was something, something along those lines, maybe not quite that extreme as far as drunkenness, but as far as being guided, Jenny. Oh, it, it makes me think of back years ago. Yes. Like before we were saved. Yes. When we were in college, now people would seem to think that wine or mind-altering substances right. would make you think yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's that's a good way to put it. You think you can become wiser or go deeper by using wine or even mind altering drugs, which is what 
uh, some of us were trying to do back there in the 1970s. So, um, yeah, that's what he was looking for here. And uh, he, it was very particular about it that he might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. What about uh, the fourth in the list in verses 4 to 6? What was he trying to do there, would you say? That's exactly right. Making great works, doing great things with his uh, property, especially. You notice his house, his vineyard, his orchard, his uh, fruit trees, his water pools, verses 4 to 6. So um, his object, again, in all this, is he's, he's trying to find meaning and value in life. He's trying to understand what life is all about. And he's looking for the best things in life, the things that he can uh, bring about in his property or uh, in his grounds or even as a king uh, in doing all these things and in leading the people that uh, he wanted these best things so that there would be a good impression made about God's blessing, I think, because it's interesting, but I believe that Solomon knew the Lord at this point in time. And actually, the book of Ecclesiastes was written later on uh, as a book of repentance in regard to his foreign wives, which we'll talk about here in just a a few minutes, Lord willing. But... um, He wanted these great works. He wanted to do these great works. Perhaps uh, you're in the same boat. You want to do great things with your property or, uh, you know, with all that you're involved in in your life. In a good way, not uh, in an evil way or a bad way. And then uh, what would the fifth uh, thing be in the list here? It's verse 7. It would be... Yes, uh, that, uh, yeah, we, in fact, that's the sixth thing. Uh, we're going to get to that, but th- this would be possessions as well. Yeah, verse 7, having male and female uh, servants. Now, what would that be comparable to in our own day if we were to apply this? They needed male and female servants and that day. In fact, uh, people had servants all the way down through time uh, until the last several hundred years, which you may or may not be aware of. But um, why did they have them? Well, it was to help them out in their everyday life, wasn't it? Uh, With all the things that they were involved with uh, in their everyday life. Uh, I think we can compare what he's talking about here to... uh, owning the latest and best appliances or automobiles. In other words, all these things that that help us to get where we're going to go, which is what servants used to do, or get things done like uh, the wash or things related to our food or uh, just all kinds of different things that we work at, but we don't really realize that we use all these devices. we need to look at it that way. Uh, people place a lot of value in these things. 
the value in, in cars alone is outrageous uh, in our own day. But uh, it gets, it get, the car gets us where we want to go. And it is a mighty, mighty thing that has been invented and has only been here for uh, 120 to 30 years now, if you can imagine. But that's, that's not a very long time when you think about it. You might think it's a fairly long time, but it's really not. Uh, it's really not. But uh, then seventh uh, or sixth, what have we got here? And somebody, I think, had mentioned it here, gathering silver and gold and the special treasures of kings. Now, do you think that this might include pearls, maybe? Well, I think maybe so. I think maybe so. In the future, uh, here I'm going to try to unfold for you uh, how a pearl is made, which is really kind of an incredible thing. Uh, I'm not going to go into it here this morning. But uh, pearls have, just for thousands and thousands of years, been considered uh, by kings and uh, people ruling, especially something to be uh, collected, something to be highly valued. Uh, I think that it was Cleopatra I was reading about who uh, had one pearl that was worth, in today's money, of about a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, there were other uh, kings in those days that had uh, very valuable gems or pearls. And then seventhly, what was it that um, Solomon pursued here that we could relate to what we're thinking about? Pearls, plural, the, the things of value that, we, that men seek, that Solomon was seeking. What was he trying to do? In verse 8b, something that uh, I think that we take for granted, but which is all around us oftentimes, and that is music. Music, male and female singers and musical instruments of all kinds is what he collected. Now that must have been really quite something if he had the money that he did uh, which he had very vast resources, he no doubt had the best instruments as well for worship and also for pleasure, I'm thinking. But he had all of these things and it was something that he highly valued and uh, I think we should value it too in terms of, of worship if it's done in the right way. But people have made it into something far greater than that in our own days where uh, music and singing and uh, the delights of those things have become the central focus of their whole life. And uh, so I think that we need to understand that when we think about pearls, seeking for things of value. Matthew Henry says, All the children of men are busy seeking goodly pearls. One would be rich, another would be honorable, and another would be learned, but the most are imposed upon and take up with counterfeits for pearls. He says, a counterfeit is something that looks like a pearl, but really isn't. There's a, there's a great market for this, making false pearls, by the way. There has been for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, because pearls are so beautiful, and they're so highly valued if they're real, 
pearls, they're highly valued. But as Matthew Henry says, uh, oftentimes people seek for things that have really have not the value that uh, they should understand they don't have that kind of value that they think that they have, even though it might look like it. And so they're imposed upon. So secondly, I want you to see the merchant man keeps seeking for the things of greatest value. And I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes 3 and verses 9 to 15. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 9 to 15. And I will read this. What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which is has already been and what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. So question seven I have for you here, what is the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied with all their days according to these Verses. That's correct, David. And can we add anything else from verse 12? I guess it's talking about rejoicing over the work that they've done. Yes, and to do good good in their lives, it says here. So Solomon's thinking about the labor of men. And they're profiting from their labors. He's seen that God gives men tasks with which to keep them occupied. And he's seen that God is so great that he's able to make everything beautiful in its time. And then he says, God has put eternity in each man's heart. And so I've asked The question here, question eight, what does Solomon mean when he says that God has put eternity in men's hearts? What does that mean? Well, it's a pretty simple answer, really, that it is that God has created us in his own image and likeness. And because of that, there is eternity in our heart. That is, that we are eternal beings. And because of that, we need to think through the issues of our life as to what is most important in what we pursue with our time and our strength. 
That's what uh, he's saying here, and that relates to our labor. The question that I have here, question nine, and then we'll quit. Why does God ordain that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all their labor? Verse 14. What is the reason? Is it because he calls us to a balanced life? A balanced life? Well, that's, that certainly could be a part of it. That certainly could be a part of it. Uh, there was a particular word that I was looking for here. And uh, it's found in verse 14, 14b. God does it that men should fear before him. That's the reason that God ordains that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all their labor. I mean, you might not see that at first, but that's the connection in the verse. The connection in the verse is if you are satisfied by all the good things that God has given and all the good work that you're doing, then the logical response to all that is to fear God. To fear God. And to fear him in the right way. This is kind of like the uh, shorter catechism says. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Did you want to say something, Jenny? Uh, just going back to that verse um, 12 where it says that, or no, where it says that um, Yes. I was thinking, I don't know, and I read that, it makes me think of that. That that's why we have a longing that these things are vain. They won't fulfill, they won't satisfy because God's put eternity in our hearts. Amen. That these things that men pursue so often without God or without thinking about God are vain. They won't last, but he's put eternity in our hearts so that we should keep seeking. And then uh, if we're seeking in the way that God intends according to his word, then we will find the pearl most precious. And the pearl most precious is who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time around your word. We pray that we would see these things in the context of the scriptures. We pray that we would understand them and that we would seek ourselves for the pearl of great price. And even once we have found you, Lord, that we would keep seeking you, uh, that we might keep finding you in our conscious experience and in all of our activities and even in our obedience to you. For we pray and ask it in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.